Hey everyone, welcome back to the Centered Incent Podcast. I'm your host, David Simfuque, and we're still here trying to live our lives Jesus-centered and Jesus-sent. This week, we're starting a brand new book, Acts, or also called The Acts of the Apostles. Uh, Abby is going to read chapter one and go over some of what's happening there, and Rachel's going to take over chapter two. Uh, to give you a synopsis of what Acts is about, let me read the NIV introduction found in the Uversion Bible app. In that states, Luke's second volume is known as the Book of Acts. The six parts of the Book of Acts each describe a new phase in the expansion of the Messiah following movement outward from Jerusalem. These sections are all marked by variations on the phrase, the word of God continue to spread and flourish. First, the church is established in Jerusalem and becomes Greek-speaking, allowing it to spread its message throughout the empire. Next, the movement expands into the rest of Palestine. Third, Gentiles are included in the gathering of Jesus' followers alongside the Jews. Fourth, messengers are sent west into the Roman province of Asia. Fifth, these messengers enter Europe. In the sixth and final phase, the movement reaches the capital city of Rome and into the highest levels of society. God's kingdom is thus announced to all nations. So Acts chapter 1 is going to go over Jesus' ascension into heaven and Matthias being chosen to replace Judas Iscariot, which was the traitor um, to Jesus when he um, you know, betrayed Jesus with a kiss and for a small amount of silver, uh, while chapter 2 will go over Pentecost, what it means, and Peter addresses the crowd um, of people you know, to try to get them to Christ and to follow Christ. So let's go ahead and jump into how everyone's week has been, and enjoy, and God bless. Like, you know, like, I'm kind of like in a pause moment in life, but I guess helping out with kids, give me something to focus on. So your phone's off as a purpose to do something. Something to do right now while I'm in the downtime. Cause like in life, if you're not moving ahead, feel like you're moving back. Mm-hmm. Like I dwell on the past a like, lot. Yeah. I think it's in that season. Cause like one one thing I've noticed is like I think God is a God of timing. He has his own season. As long as we are seated in Him. You know, just like Ephesians chapter 2 and 1 tells us all the time that we're sitting in heavenly places with Christ. You know, as long as we sit and, of course, you know, faith without works is nothing. Because a lot of people sit over there and just like um, have, you know, a vision, but they don't write it down and run with it. You know, you have to try until something happens. Or you have to push until something happens. Those are the things that, you know, because a lot of times... For some people, God tells them specific of what to do. Sometimes God leads other people in what to do. Like he puts you in opportunities or he pushes you in, um, you know, in destiny helpers. Like people will bring you up and show you the way and stuff like that. And then for others, you know, it's just, you know, as long as you have a vision for what God has called you, then you hold on to the vision and move forward. And that's the other thing. Um, Yeah, anybody else? What God's been doing this week? I think for me, as well, songs, I'm <clears throat> like there hasn't been a lot of like high 
highs and like lows, um, you know, other than work and work being um, pretty busy. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that God has like really drawn me in focus is like the small things, the things that we typically don't appreciate Him for. Um, so like the car, right? The car is running. Mm -hmm. It's great. We have gas, all that good jazz. You know, none of us have gotten sick, we have food. And just appreciating the things that God is allowing to continue to run as smoothly as possible because <clears throat> we know that once those things break down, they become major headaches, they become major inconveniences. But He's protected us and protected the things around us so that they're not that. So it's just a, a nice, like, meditating on that like, thank you God that again these things are working correctly it reminds me I guess of the Israelites where you know God was like <clears throat> in the wilderness you know your feet did not swell your clothes did not get ruined you know you had food to eat you had water to drink it was like God was providing everything and everything was moving as smoothly as possible so it was yeah that's alright I believe he was showing me yeah what is God doing for you? What is so good about the whole week? Did you experience anything nice this week? Something that you did before? You did your homework on time? How is your keeping up with um, you know the duties that they they came up the challenge that they were giving? Think about the mornings. Is he doing better? Yeah. <laughs> That's something to look forward to. He woke up late Friday, but he still was late. able. Yeah. That's good. See, that's something good. Um, honestly, I can say this much. For me, I would say that I'm a little bit exhausted and um, I need to find another way of worshiping because I notice whenever I get exhausted in worshiping, that means I'm getting attacked. So um, we normally get spiritually attacked because I don't want to ever go in God's presence feeling like defeated all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to go in God's presence knowing that you have the authority and that authority um, is found in Jesus Christ and just knowing that he's a hope of glory in everything. Um, I've come to the point where like um, when I was asking God I'm like what the heck am I doing right and I'm like doing things and I'm just pushing and I'm trying to do something and then suddenly like one of the biggest things is like am I waiting on God uh, you know am I waiting on God like genuinely or am I waiting on God because I want to do things according to the way I feel it like you know, help out God in some situation. Because sometimes, uh, this week when I was talking to God, you know, whenever I took the job of substituting, right? And I liked it. I, I like it. But there was that point where I was just like, what? Like, I just questioned myself. I'm like, what am I doing? I mean, I took a joy, but then I kept on trying to convince myself, like, I like this, right? I convinced myself. And then at that moment, I was like, what am I doing? I was like, is this God who's putting me in this position? Or 
did I compromise with God? Because I remember telling God, I'm like, if you just give me something, like I need to make some money somehow, like just something for my pockets, something to help out. And then I kept on seeing the word pressure everywhere, pressure, pressure, pressure. Even when I woke up, you know, I was trying to look at um, my WhatsApp, and then I noticed my cousin put pressure. <laughs> so, and then I was like, oh my gosh, this pressure. And then one time I was spending time with the Lord, I just found myself, you know, crying, and I was just like, I'm not understanding what's going on. You know, you promised all this stuff, but you know, what is going on? Like, I need a reminder, I need something to go on. And then God, you know, of course, um, you know, I just found myself in that moment where I just started pushing to praying, right? And then I started praying, and then suddenly I got off the thought of praying, and I just kind of started like doing half everything. I like to say the other word, but I'm not gonna do it today. So I just started doing things halfway. Like I would just go like, oh, I'll pray, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I'm gonna go. I didn't push. Oh, I'll pray. Ah, I'm tired. So and I noticed that I was like, my fasting just turned into a menace. Like it just turned into an obligation that didn't make sense. And I'm just like, God, what in the world is going on? And I'm like, I'm so tired. Like, I'm tired. I'm tired physically. I'm tired spiritually. I'm tired. And I'm tired. But one of the biggest things that I realized is that through my tiredness, I told God, you know, the Holy Spirit was telling me that you're under attack. You know, because God always warns me before I hit a time. So I was like, okay, it's time for me to change my strategy. And it's time to, for me to push, you know, uh, push past the pressure. And then as I was talking to God, and God was telling me, he's like, you know, I hope you're not doing this because what happened, this is an incident that happened. So he's like, I hope you're not doing this because of what somebody said, or, you know. And then I was like, yeah, I'm not sure either because I'm confused, you know, because the enemy will bring confusion. So the Holy Spirit, I sat down and the Holy Spirit, like I just looked up the book of Ezra. I didn't know how, why I was looking at the book of Ezra, but the Holy Spirit just made me read it. Like I read it the whole night. You know, while I was praying, I was just reading it. I went from Ezra to Nehemiah, and I read, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, like, even through your fear, continue building. Even through everything that you're going through, continue doing what God has called you to. Um, you might not see increase. You might not see any fruits in anything that you're doing. That's why I tell people, I'm like, what is your purpose with your destiny that you're connected to? What is your purpose with everything that you're doing? Because if you keep on moving, you're going to get tired of the things that you're doing, and the love of it is going to kind of, like, disappear. So, and those are the dangers that we fought in all the time. And that's the thing that I was asking the Holy Spirit because I don't want to do something for God out of because I want something else to come out of it. But I want to do something for God, knowing that I, you know, I love Him with all my heart, mind, and soul, and that's what it is. And it's not going to be always perfect because, you know, it's a relationship with Christ Jesus. It's something that, you know, I always, um, you know, we we are the bride of Christ, so. You know, being as a bride, it's not going to always be, always, that you're going to be loving to your husbands and stuff. Sometimes you're going to wake up and you're like, mm, you know, and sometimes you're just like, I need to push through and show my husband that I love him so much and show him that I care. And that's basically what I do to, you know, Jesus all the time. I'm like, okay, Jesus, this is not working out. Like, what are we going to do? Because I'm feeling some type of way about this. I'm very honest and vulnerable, you know, with how I handle things. Some people might take it like, you know, you know, I need to be more reverent in Christ. I, I am reverent. It's just my relationship with him. That's the way we talk and that's the way we are. I believe that each relationship with Christ is different. How you talk and how he talks back to you. So and that's why I always resist when people tell me, 
oh, are you sure you heard God right? Are you sure to do this? At the end of the day, I'm just like, you know, I know how, you know, he speaks to me and I know how we walk. But when people are in your ears, that volume uh, becomes more or less and you start getting confused. And, um, you know, and it's not about stuff. It's about the love of Christ and what we're called to do as disciples. And I think that's, you know, that's what it is. In the measurement of everything else, because I'm always looking at time. And I noticed that, you know, I love making money. Like, I love anything else. I think I like stability. That's what I've noticed. And because people are always making noise in my ear, and that's one of my biggest things. So I'm asking God, I was like, that's probably why God stripped me off everything. Because <laughs> I'm always focusing on making money. Because even yesterday when I thought about my auntie, like, I wanted to be part of that wedding thing, and I felt kind of left out. Does that make sense? Like, because I couldn't help. I felt kind of like nothing, like... You know, I felt like I was not, I didn't belong to that family. Does that make sense? Like you just feel like you don't belong because you're not able to be tangible and touch on something and provide for something. Because sometimes we think that money can buy something, like can buy your share on something. And that's basically the way I took it. You know, because I couldn't do anything. You know, automatically my, my thinking is like maybe if I had money, then you know people will actually bother even looking at, like even care to even tell me details of what's going on. So my thing was like, you know, putting all the attention on me, what is me, because they didn't tell me anything, and I was surprised that this happened and stuff, instead of being, you know, I was excited, don't get me wrong, but I was confused at the same time of what happened. So I was like, nobody told me, nobody updated me. So in that moment, I was like, oh, only if I had money and I had this, then I'll probably be, you don't have to ask me, you just tell me and I'll do it. Like the same way that I used to do before, because then I didn't have any, a lot of bills, I just gave it away. So, yeah. That's what's my week been like not having everything but and then also understanding the irrelevancy of my calling. Is my calling irrelevant because it brings me something or is it irrelevant because it's only Jesus and I in this situation? So those are the things that I was I've been going through. Anybody else? Yeah, I'm gonna say oh I I went through that same feeling. When I uh, like when I'm with my dad, cause he kind of pushed me out to the side and don't want me to help mm-hmm. anything, and I, I feel useless. Cause when I'm here, he don't answer. Mm-hmm. But now he he don't want to be need my help. He make me feel useless. Mm-hmm. I'm so used to helping people out. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. Like you're always a busybody. Like me, I like. It's, it's, it's been an interesting year for me. It is really has, because I know that I can do it. I remember me and Philip last time argued, and then he was like, I know you can do everything for yourself. And then he's like, I know you can do everything for yourself. I understand that you can do everything for yourself, but can you let somebody help you? You know, and that was the argument that we are, like we argued, because I know what I'm capable of. Like I push, like if God allowed me to, I get lost in, making money and doing all that stuff but it's just a facade because i sometimes you use those stuff to hide away from everything that you're feeling so for me just being a busybody is the way that i hide how i'm feeling does that make sense like i can work nobody can tell you can't tell how i'm feeling because i don't show my emotions unless you guys are relevant but it's more like you do that to avoid how you feel yeah for voice and that's the energy that i get like i just get 
a high of doing something so which is bad so and then like I think and then I realized that God wants to be the only one like all the time he wants to be the only one because even in this substituting job I'm working one time <laughs> you get what I'm saying so that's what I'm asking and the lady didn't sense it. you know she's like you're very nice you're very sweet and then she's like we'll call you when we need you again but my discernment was like are you really gonna call me does that make sense like, are you really going to call me? Because I, I can tell when somebody wants me back or not. But I'm praying that, you know, I can get at least. Because it's only four hours. Something. <laughs> but, yeah, that's it. <sighs> it's, it's hard, guys. It's hard. Only God can do. But I'm getting hopeful because I'm reading, like, you know, you get hopeful when you read other people who go through stuff. You know? Basically, uh, similar situation. Yeah. And that's basically what's been going on. Okay, the book of Acts. Now, I must confess. You didn't read. No, I read it. I always read, trust me. <laughs> I read it, but I never prepare. I never prepare because, um,. You just I'm not a type of person who prepares for something, but I do read it. I won't lie. Like, I read it and I study it and I look at it, but I'm not going to, like, write notes. I'm a talker. Like, I wing it. Even at school, that's what I used to do. <laughs> I wing, which is bad because I've been asking God to help me. <clears throat> so, you guys are going to help me read, or should I read? Anyway, let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you, oh God, that you are worthy and that you are God and that you love us so much, oh God. We just pray in this moment, oh God, that your presence, that your Holy Spirit may just continue to abide in our hearts, in our minds, in our soul, oh God. Father God, may you move and may you renew us, may you refresh us, oh God. May you come like a wind, oh my Father God. Like you came uh, in the book of Acts, oh God, as the disciples waited for you, oh God. Father God, we pray for a fresh new wind, a fresh new anointing, oh God. Father God, may you give us a new revelation of your love, a deeper understanding of who you are, oh God. And Father God, may you release us from everything that that hurts us each and every day, oh God. Father God, we come against any spirit of confusion, any spirit of frustration, oh God, any spirit of um you revive our hearts, O God. Holy Spirit, we just command your angels, O God, to come in this hour, in this moment, O God, to minister to our hearts, O God. Father God, we come against every assignment of the enemy, O God. We come against every forces of darkness, O God. We come against every rulers of authorities, O my Father God. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we just surrender everything to you. We surrender our hearts, oh God. We surrender our will, oh my Father God, for you know best, oh my Father God. For you have a plan, oh God, and, and your plan is to prosper us and not to bring us harm, oh my Father God. Father God, help us, oh God, and understand that your word is alive and it's sharper than a, a double-edged sword, oh my Father God. Father God, help us, oh God, and 
to marinate in your word, oh my Father God, to know Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, may you may you bring revival in our mindsets, oh my Father God, in our thoughts, oh my Father God, in everything that we do, oh my Father God. Father God, may this not just be a time that we just gather together, my Father God. But Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for signs, miracles, and wonders, my Father God. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that we are going to testify, oh God, to your goodness, oh God. For you are faithful, my Father God, in everything, in every area of our lives, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are magnificent, oh God. We thank you, Lord God, even for the things that you give us, oh God. For the shelter, for the clothing, oh my Father God. Father God, that we're well fed, oh my Father God, and that we were able to move and be healthy, oh my Father God. God. And Father God, we thank you, Lord God, for the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, just take over our mouths and our hearts, oh God. May you speak to us in this moment. Have your way in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm just going to read. In the former book, Theophilus, right? Mm-hmm. In the former book, Theophilus wrote about Jesus. Yeah? Sorry. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. One occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times and dates, all the dates, all dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eye, their very eyes, and the cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, and when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem, the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those presents were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had 
to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke a long ago through David concerning Judas who served a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wicked wickedness, Judah brought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open. All his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this. So they called the field in their language, Akadama, whatever. <laughs> this is field of blood. For Peter said, it is written in the book of Psalms. May his place be deserted. Let be let there be no one to dwell in it. And my may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph Basabar, how do you, Joseph called Basabab, mm -hmm. also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry. When Judas left to go where he belongs, they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostle. Sorry, the Holy Spirit gave me a question to ask. So, mm -hmm. hold on. Okay, so, um, after reading this from a uh, verse um two to verse verse 3 okay where it says after suffering he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of heaven so what evidence in your life do you have as a con uh, con convincing truth that Jesus is alive in your life I think for me it's honestly the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword so it seems like every time I'm going through something in my life I can go to the Word of God and be informed and be um, be comforted honestly uh, I guess an example is while you were going through Ezra and uh, you know reading that I was going through Nehemiah and I didn't understand <laughs> why I was going through Nehemiah uh, and you know something we discussed is like you know Ezra and Nehemiah were happening at the same time after the uh, Babylonian captivity of Jerusalem. And their main purpose, Ezra's, was to build the temple. And then Nehemiah's purpose was to build the, the wall that is um, around Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And the amazing thing that I noticed about Ezra is just how much discernment he had because everyone was trying to kill him. Mm -hmm. Like, and the way they were trying to kill him was through sweet sounding words, mm -hmm. through sweet sounding invitations. Uh, mm -hmm. What was that? Was um, I think a priest was mm -hmm. it a priest? Yeah, a priest tried to get him to uh, stop the work. There was just 
so mm. many influences that were trying to get him to stop but he always had like a wise answer for them like for example you know you know they invited him to <laughs> that was like let's go into the inner room and close the door because someone's trying to kill you <laughs> isn't that <laughs> Nehemiah? that's the yeah yeah Nehemiah was the one yeah so with him uh, you know he's like no no one's trying to kill me mm-hmm. right and you could even say before the way they were actually building the wall is like they had a sword on their in one arm and then they were carrying the working with the other arm mm-hmm. like they were always prepared so it's like for him it's like why would i need to hide yeah. if someone's trying to kill me i'm going to confront them or whatever like i'm embellishing but in his mind it's like I, no one is trying to do this like yeah. he had that discernment that no one's trying to do this so it goes into your word of like pressure of like you know what what pressures are around me that are trying to get me to give up on what god uh, wants me to hope for mm-hmm. wants me to um, believe him for and i think also for me one of the pressures is failure right so <clears throat> in the stock market i've like raved with you guys about like how awesome it is but i've honestly lost a lot of money in the stock market um just not from understanding it and then trying out different techniques with real money instead of like <laughs> with you know uh, training simulator so it's it's one of those items where you're like okay god like i'm obviously not doing well so this is not for me like let me just move on um that pressure like you are going to fail if you continue moving in this direction and it's like god's like no keep moving forward change what you're supposed to be doing get a better outcome that's fine but all in all the core value of this is true what i've called you in this specific area is true move in that direction so mm-hmm. yeah that's how i see jesus and his proof is like his word is truly living and active sharper than any double-edged sword and just able to discern between the thoughts and intentions of the heart and i see it anybody else how do you guys see you know jesus as true proof in your life, the living proof. How is God convincing? How is He a convincing truth in your life? How is He alive in your life? What convinces you that Jesus is real? Um, it didn't really click up until uh, Pastor Joby's Trinity um, thing, mm-hmm. because you know back in the day we all used to, well, I used to think at least like oh, God is the most powerful, and you know, you know, the other two are also there but then after that um, not even after that I still knew that they all were powerful but there was just not that much of a, a reverence for that uh, the trinity and how each you know piece is also God at the same time so mm-hmm. um, I, when he went over Jesus Christ the son of God it helped me to realize that Jesus himself although he was very perfect and he um, you know uh, yeah, he was just perfect. He walked perfectly. Everything was perfect with him. At the same time, he also did go through so much. Mm-hmm. Um, he went through every single temptation that any man would go through. He went through uh, all the hardships that any man would also go through. Everyone, I, I don't hear people talking about the hardships that he also went through. The mm-hmm. temptations, yes, but he went through physical pain. He went through the loss of many friends. You know, mm-hmm. uh, John the Baptist got beheaded. He mm-hmm. wept and all this other stuff. And it's like okay so um i'm also going through these things as well so i 
it's nice to see that um, the person who's uh, the, the God, the son of God who saved me mm-hmm. also had to go through the same things that I'm going through. So how come I can't also persevere in, in that same front? So Yeah, that's yeah. true. I like the point when you brought up about, you know, uh, you know, John the Baptist. And it's very interesting when you got John the Baptist, when he gets beheaded, Jesus would have easily taken the head and put them together. <laughs> but you understand that in life, everybody has... Um, a purpose and sometimes that purpose ends so and then most of us we may not understand the you know the thoughts of God that's why he says my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways so in that moment because we see you know the we see just the things that we see but we don't see the infinity plan or the connection of how God is intertwining everything and everything how it's supposed to be perceived because for us, we just see the now. Why, God, did you do this? Why did you allow this? And da-da-da-da. So, you know, we see all that stuff. We only see what we want to see, but we don't allow, you know, the Spirit of God to just, you know, teach us exactly what He is trying to show us in those seasons. So anybody else, why, you know, what convincing evidence or proof that you have that Jesus is alive in your life? Um... Anybody else? Huh? What's the convincing evidence that you worship the God that you worship right now? You know, what makes him so alive in your life? That you can come back to him. You're like, you know, I don't know if you watched the movie last holiday when Queen Latifah was like playing that little little thing. Huh? No, no, no. Last holiday. Not that one. Is it the holiday? No, it's last holiday. Yeah, it's last holiday where um, Queen Latifah was, um, she thought she was going to die and then she went. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then you remember when she was playing on the lotto and she's like playing, she was betting on the number 17. And everybody's like, oh, you keep on betting on number 17. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to keep on betting on it because I don't care what anybody says. I'm just going to bet on that number because she said that's when her, her grandma died or something like that. So she believed so much. She's like, I'm just going to believe that is the number that I'm going to um, bet on it. And then, you know, she won, but everybody else was making noise about why you keep on doing the same thing over and over. So for me, that movie is an example of no matter how things look like, no matter how many times, you know, people tell me otherwise, I know how the voice of God is in my life. I know the relationship that I have with Christ. Yes, sometimes it's, you know, it's very rocky because, you know, I'm an emotional being. But one of the biggest things is like when I'm going through something, you know, I sometimes throw a tantrum on my God because that's the relationship that we have. He's my father and, um, you know, he's my father and I take it as is my father. Like, because I know I don't have that relationship with my real dad. So when I want something from my daddy, I just go to him at his feet and I tell him. And sometimes, you know, I was telling, I don't know who I was talking to last time about like, I was feeling some type of way. I was just so emotional that day. And I just started crying, and then I sat on the floor because I like to sit in the kitchen. And I sat on the floor, and I was telling the Holy Spirit, I'm like, I can't pray. And He's like, That's fine. And I was like, I can't talk to you. I don't know, I can't talk to you, but I'm talking to you. <laughs> I can't talk to you. And the Holy Spirit, you know, I complained, I complained. I told Him my heart, and I cried. And then suddenly He told me, Start dancing. And we started dancing. And after that, I laughed. He tickled the crap out of me. I was like, Oh my gosh. You know, after that, it was just like my worship changed. Cause he made me dance. He was like, "Get up and dance, dance with me." That's the kind of relationship we have. If some, if you ask somebody else, they're gonna be like, "What you dance?" Yes, I dance with the Holy Spirit all the time. So, 
What's your evidence? Um, I think when he was trying to figure out, wait, um, Elton, which book is this? In John, mm-hmm. when he talks like he is like the beginning of her, like um, uh, seven, like he is before all things, and then all things were together, mm-hmm. and then also like in the beginning was the word, and was the word was mm-hmm. with God. So I think that's trying to realize that he knew that what your life would be because he's been there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it's like he orders each and every um, step, but it's just like trying to walk in um, in him. I mean, just trying to have the faith to trust him. Mm-hmm. And you, like, I guess realizing that he's been there, he's already planned each and every step. Mm-hmm. So what is the evidence of him? I think like, if, I guess when you go through something, there's always a verse for each and every thing. So God speaks to you through his word. Mm-hmm. And his word comes alive when you're going through something. That's cool. I like that one. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, I just look at it like signs and symbols. Uh-huh. What about you know, like, for instance, when the doctors and the doctors were saying I was dead, the way, I don't know who grabbed my hand, I think my little brother, mm-hmm. they felt a slight squeeze. Mm-hmm. But things like that, like, showed that they gave everybody hope. Because mm-hmm. the doctors, you know, they're professionals in there. Mm-hmm. You don't have a relationship with God. You will take them as God because you think, oh, this is a professional. They mm-hmm. know what they're talking about. But that's a good one. That miracles are, are unexplained. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. What signs do you have in your life that Jesus is alive? No, just signs. Why do you worship God? Um, to, to learn the Lord has he done for me. But what has he done for me? Yeah, for you specifically. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest thing that you love Jesus for? I love the cross. What does that mean to you? He's the big person. What kind of sins have you done that makes him alive? Sorry, I'm getting so personal. What do you think God has forgiven you for? Lying. Lying. Uh, so do you tell him the truth after you lie? Do you tell him that I lied? Can you forgive me? Yes. How does that make you feel after that? Nice. Thank you. Feel better. That's good. That's the evidence that he's in your life. Okay. And you, Henry? Um, I think the um, stuff that, the things that God has always doing for me, you know, when you pass through hard life and you, he always there for you. Yeah, there is always the way to whatever tough or whatever rough um, life you have you always have the way when you believe in God and you always show me the way that's cool that's good um okay so the other one um okay 
what is um 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 what promises has how does it make you feel when you are waiting for the gifts that God has promised you in that moment because you see over here the disciples you know we're waiting for the things that God spoke right so in your moment of waiting how you know how are you waiting for these promises you know the gifts of God or the things that God has promised you and whatever it is if you want to share what you're waiting for that's fine if not that's that's cool you can just be um descriptive about it and how are you waiting for those gifts because you know the holy spirit gives certain things and then he we wait for them i think um, i think it's cool that you know they were praying they met together uh they joined this is verse 14 <laughs> they were joined together constantly in prayer along with the women uh, and mary the mother of jesus and with his brothers um you know just spending that time with god that he is asking of me to spend with him mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that i i'm feeling him tug like for me to start waking up uh, early mm -hmm. in the morning um and to pray um uh, well, to just i guess just to spend time with him because you know, I'm not, I would definitely be communing and praying, but it feels like there's something that is one t he wants to do with me or in me during mm -hmm. that time in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, I feel that call. But I, mean, I think it's also just doing what he's already instructed of me to do. So, like, you know, just, you know, making videos and, um, and I see, like, that the discussions that I'm having at the church or wherever, <clears throat> uh, they seem to be very um, personal, very impactful, and people are looking for that uh, perspective. Like, mm -hmm. Even t the reason I made that video today is um, about, you know, my thoughts on, I guess, racial relations in America is because I had that conversation with church people mm -hmm. and you can always tell the people who are trying to be sensitive and then you can tell the people who are trying to be quiet but they have like something to say <laughs> yeah they have something to say but no one can say anything because they don't know how you feel about yeah, it. how you feel about it and so yeah. when you finally open up and you finally ask questions or even get asked the questions and you you honestly answer um everyone starts speaking and they they begin to share and um, they begin to trust you more with their perspective because you're allowing them to say what they need to say mm -hmm. um, and then so I think that's that's where God has me in, in terms of um, you know because I do want to get married I do want to start a family mm -hmm. um, but before that it's like I know that he's establishing me in this area of uh, ministry mm -hmm. I guess we can call it excuse me so that's that's how I see the waiting process. Yeah, I love. Um, I really love the fact that you brought up the point where it says um, they were gathered while they were waiting. They were worshiping while they were waiting. They were praying. Mm -hmm. So you know, while they were waiting for this promise to happen, to happen, it's like they gathered together. They stood there and waited on God's promise. Like they believed God for the evidence that was shown to them previously you know god showed them the evidence that he was alive and he's real so therefore they believed in him more because you don't see them grumbling and saying oh 
Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm sure he's not going to send the Holy Spirit. But this time they took him for his word because there's so much evidence. There was no denying anything. So that was like really powerful. So do you have that much evidence in your life that you can just go like, I'm just going to wait? Or do you struggle with the waiting? I think it's hilarious because like every single time, okay, so I'm just going to bring up the example of waiting for my wife, right? Mm-hmm. And every every time I'm like, all right, God, I'm ready. Just anytime now, just go ahead, show me a dream, show me show me her race, something. <laughs> but then like um, something happens, right? I, I learn something new and <clears throat> I get some wisdom on some aspect of life, either finances or just something specific. And then I'm like, oh. Guess I needed to know that for later, right? Um, and it just keeps happening over and over. And I'm like, and at some point, I guess I figured that, all right, God, whenever you feel like it, <laughs> just go ahead and uh, do it. But at the same time, I want to be um, as, I guess, prepared as possible. And that's right? why he's doing the things and that he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God prepares you in the things that you think. Uh, for me, I think in my waiting, um, you know, at first I used to, um, you know, make marriage a matter, right? Because that's like a young age, you know, it's a process. When you're 20, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to get married. And then as you draw near to God, and then you understand that the marriage that you're waiting for is Christ, right? For me, at least, that's what I found out. And, you know, the more I get into Christ, the more... I think my issue is money. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> my issue is stability, because I love to be stable. Like, I love to be stable. I think that's my biggest issue in my life. I think my biggest issue is always I want to be you know have everything and i think that is very masculine in a sense like it's very dangerous but i've always seen myself as a person like i have i can tell like i have this thing in me like i just want to have everything that i need and then i'm like god if you just let me do this maybe it's gonna happen you know and those things i think that's my issue so in those um waiting moments i think for me it's like god is like no focus on me love me and i'm just like and then you get in that point you're like what am i doing i'm confused you know life was and sometimes i go like life was better when i was just moving around you know because i was busy doing something and those are the things that i do so and then it's kind of like being a seesaw you go back to god and mm-hmm, i understand what you're saying the next thing you're like no i need to go do this no i need to do that so i don't know what it is and then for me i think being the oldest i feel like I give that, like, I give myself that burden. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I've given myself that burden, and it doesn't make sense. Like, I've given myself a burden because I'm like, I'm the oldest for, for everyone, for this house, for my grandparents' house. Does it make sense? Like, I'm the oldest at every angle, and everybody expects me to do something, you know. And then, like, one of the biggest things that I was having a hard time this week was, you know, talking to my auntie, and my auntie was just like, you know, so you're telling me that God told you to quit your job and start doing this. I have never seen. You know, people tell you that. I've never seen. So, and I was like, how do you explain certain things like this? And how do you understand? And I'm like, I know God, I'm not crazy. And I know you never put me to shame. And when you have people always questioning everything, what are you doing? Question, 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 question. And then, um, yeah, it's, it's tough. So, I would say that I'm struggling with my waiting. Even though that I know the evidence of God, I'm struggling because I've always uh, fended for myself for a long time. So it's kind of hard to undo everything. And um, I've always given myself this this authority that I always feel like I need to to have. Like I'm the older sister, so therefore I need to take care of this thing and I need to make sure that I have everything going. Mm-hmm. So it's that, it's, I think it, it 
breaks me in that um in that in this season it breaks me and i think i gave god an ultimatum i said by the end of this year next year if something happens i am like that kind of thing i'm not lying i told god that i was like i need something if nothing happens i'm gonna like i just feel like i feel like i was like i'm gonna get a job like even if you want you don't want to or not i'm gonna do it and i was like and that's what i told god because i was telling you in my heart i was like i don't know what i'm gonna do i was like by the end of this year if nothing happens whatever you're trying to do i'm not sure what you're trying to do i'm not sure what i'm doing either but i'm trying to obey you you know and i was like if nothing happens if you're not helping me however it is and i told him i was like next year i'm going to find a job and i'm going to do everything that i'm supposed to do like if this year doesn't work out the way i'm because I'm, I'm i'm wondering you know i'm praying i'm pushing i'm doing everything i'm supposed to do but this waiting process has been very interesting you know some take it you know some take it as nice and others are like you know watching you in a mean way so it's it's tough the waiting is tough and i think so, the turning point that i was talking about earlier was that you you brought up a good point uh, we were talking earlier um that now is the best time to start getting closer to God because later on when he starts doing stuff for us mm-hmm. we're not going to have that time that personal time mm-hmm. or, or the time that he wants to spend with us mm-hmm. so we're going to be so busy we're going to you know start doing this this and this and getting a family and all that stuff and then mm-hmm. we're going to start making excuses oh I have to do this and I have to wake up early tomorrow sorry God and stuff like that so then he's teaching us now to rely on him and to uh, you know put all our faith and our everything in him so that next time when we're too busy, quote unquote, um, we, we have the discipline. We have that discipline, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I I do believe that one of the biggest things that the Holy Spirit has been teaching me in the waiting is that understanding that, like, you are not waiting for nothing. Sometimes we think that we're not doing anything. You know, as a young person, I've always been called to intercess intercessory. So when I used to pray, and as I see the fruit of everything that I wrote in my diary, and I was just like. It doesn't look the way I was thinking it would, but it's the same thing that God put in my life, but I didn't see it the way it looks. Does that make sense? Like every promise that he promised, you know, it was just different. Like when I wrote in 2007, I said, I want a house before I turn 30. I wrote those things. I was thinking I'm going to get my own house, but God was like, you're going to get, both of you guys are going to get, all of you guys are going to get a house. Does that make sense? So everything that I wrote was, came in corporate. <laughs> it didn't come by itself. It didn't come like it didn't come like with me in like just by myself, and that's what I imagined it. But it came with everybody else. Now, is it to say that that God didn't do what He said? He did what He says, but He didn't do it the way I wanted. Exactly. So, (laughs) so and no things. And sometimes I get irritated. Honestly, I get irritated because I'm like, I want my own stuff. Like, what are you doing, dude? That's why I tell God, I'm like, I want my own stuff. What are you doing? Why is everybody connected to this thing? Like, you know, I was like, why is everybody there? Like, what are we doing here? So those are the questions I asked God. I'm like, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't mind being with you guys. But I was like, I want my own stuff. Like, I want my own things. I want to do my own stuff. Like, I love being just my own house. Like, come on. You know, all those stuff. And then I think about it and I'm like, why are we here? Why are we together? So I always ask the question. But in all things that we're learning something from each other. And I know that this is a season of learning. It is a season of learning because it's been very interesting. And then one of the biggest things is like during this process, as we wait on God, as we move in this season, I believe that, um, I do believe that suddenly a shift is going to happen. 
this is just the beginning like shift transition shift every time i ask god i'm like no you could have just taught me this a different way right <laughs> but uh, every time that verse comes to mind my my ways are not your ways my, my thoughts, thoughts are not your ways. Yeah. My thoughts and all that i'm like okay found yeah it is it isn't the obedience and surrendering it's not like that god doesn't want to do certain things there's a reason why he does anything sometimes i want to like sometimes we have our own thoughts and we go like i can do it better the the way god wants to do it <laughs> but you can't do that that's just being um you know prideful um what was the other one um yeah so basically i just love you know this whole chapter one i just love the fact that you know philip brought up the fact that the you know people were praying and people were staying together and you know people were waiting for you know the the spirit of god to move so that the spirit of god can help them and guide them to be witnesses into all the worlds and to preach the word of god and to you know baptize in the name of the father son holy spirit you know at first they were just baptizing with water so it's very good to know like even in our waiting you know that we have the holy spirit leading us and he, you know we really learned that with um pastor joey you know that the holy spirit is there to help us and he's he there to compensate with us and therefore to move us in the will of god and um you know if you lack wisdom ask god for it you know god gives wisdom and it's the spirit of god that helps us move according to his will and then if you surrender your life to christ it's not going to look the way you want it to look like and that's what i've learned like you think that you have a plan and God will dismantle that plan because you have surrendered your rights and you've told God, yes, you have a right to take over my life and yes, you have a right to do this. And that's basically what it is. It's a partnership and it's a relationship. It's a guidance with the Holy Spirit that he's helping you and building in you more than you into a disciple that's going to preach into the world and you know change nations. It's not about, you know, it's a benefit of, praising God, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not that benefits, right? You know, it's a benefit that everything that God says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything shall be added unto us. And it is a hard thing because we're emotional beings and we like things. You know, we're created that way. We're selfish. But at the end of the day, it's always surrendering and understanding that, you know, God has a purpose and he has a plan, even in the waiting, even in the promises that he will accomplish what he said. Because he's God. And I've seen that evidence through my auntie. So sometimes it's good to watch people's stories and see what God has done for them. And you're like, oh my gosh, he did it for this person. He can do it for me. So, and that's what, you know, the Holy Spirit does. He lifts us up and helps us. So, and anybody else wants to talk about anything in this chapter? Because I'm like, I don't see anything. I did have a question about verse 20, where mm -hmm. it says, for said, for said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, mm -hmm. and may another take his place of leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm assuming that they're trying to replace Judas Iscariot, the, mm -hmm. the one who betrayed Jesus. Mm -hmm. So was the, the, the verse in the book of Psalms, was that, uh, what's the word? Prophetic? Yeah, was that prophetic for Judas? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's prophetic. You will see a lot of, um, like, Isaiah... You see a lot of those that come to pass, you know, to the New Testament and stuff. Because remember, though, back when they used to write all this stuff, and then they, you know, and that's why God, God announces himself before he does something. So that's what you got to understand. He announces everything in your life. You just have to be attentive. Like, one of the biggest things that I, God has announced a lot of things in my life, but it caught me by surprise most of the times. 
it, like it did. And then when I realized, I was like, oh, this is what somebody said before in my life when I go through that thing. And I'm like, because it doesn't click to us because the Spirit of God is ever interceding on our behalf. And there are moments where sometimes when I'm closing my eyes, I hear God speaking to me and I'm like, I heard that before, but where did I hear it from? Because your spirit man was in tune with the Holy Spirit and that's basically what happens. Because some of the times I'm like, this is deja vu. I'm like, oh no, I dreamt about that and this is why it's happened that way. So, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts like he does. Like I remember last time when he was like, like a voice was talking to me. I was like, who the heck is talking? I woke up, I was like, <laughs> oh, the time that I think about, like, my breath was taken away and I felt like somebody was breathing on me. That is, I really believe that was the Holy Spirit because that day I was sleeping and I just felt like a wind coming in my face. It was like, and I was like, and I woke up and I was like, what happened? I really believe the Holy Spirit breathed on me. I don't care what anybody says. I really believe that the Holy Spirit breathed on me that day. I don't know what happens. If I died, who knows? But I felt breath come back in my body. Mm. So, mm. yeah. Nobody will ever know but God. Mm. Except for my bridge. That's it. So, anybody have any questions? Do you have any questions? Just... No, I, I stuck on uh, something about the promises and waiting. Uh huh. What is? Well, one thing I want to say, I think everybody waiting right now. COVID 19. No, it's true. It is true. Yeah, uh, you put the whole world on pause. Yeah, everybody's waiting. You're right. It's, the earth is groaning. That's basically what happened. What's going on? No, it's true. The prophetic people are saying the same thing. It's like everybody's waiting for something. Whatever you're waiting for, everybody's waiting. But one thing I do know is that God already, there's breakthrough, but it's just the timing of God. Because I remember when I had um, my dream, I had this dream. I was in the third heaven, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, it was a day that we prayed from um, Halloween, like the month of Halloween, we prayed so hard. Like that month, I was so scared. Like I kept on feeling things so tangible, like demonic forces, they were so tangible to the point where I was, I, like, I was getting paranoid, that I couldn't sleep. So what I would do is pray, pray, pray. And I was like, I can't wait for this month to be over. It was so crazy. And then suddenly, you know, cause I kept on having like witchcraft dreams. And suddenly I went to sleep and then I just slept for a little bit. And then when I slept, it was like I heard the voice of God. It's like thunder. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like so loud. And then I felt like there was a war going on, right? It was the dark, like I was standing in a dark place. I couldn't see because my eyes were not open in the spiritual realm, in the third heaven. Now they're always open in, in the second heaven where the demons are because you can see those things. But in the, thir in the third heaven, it was just so dark. I couldn't hear, but I heard this voice like thunder, like the way Isaiah says, right? His voice is like thunder. And then he was talking, he's like, watchman, watchman, what time is it? And I was like, huh? <laughs> so I sat over there, I'm like, what is this? You know, I sat. And then suddenly he's like, the time is November 1st. That's what he said. Whoever was talking was like November 1st. And then he's like, it's time for a jubilee. That's what he said, time for a jubilee. And I heard something shatter like boom, like a glass shattered. And the whole world was in celebration. I heard multitude of people celebrating. That is a miraculous dream. And I woke up and I was like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> I took my camera and I was like, yo, <laughs> that was the first time I made my prophetic video. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but breakthrough is here. And then after that, I knew that whatever is holding people down was over. Like 2020 looks kind of like surprising to people, but 2020 is a mark of 
God moving. It's a revival. Like God is gonna move. That's why everybody's waiting. People are like, because the enemy wants to make, to make people feel like God is not doing anything, but God is moving. There's a revival coming to many hearts, but people were gonna surrender, and God is going to make a lot of people. I believe that God is gonna pour out His wisdom that no man has ever had. Like His wisdom is going to pour. People are going to. There's gonna be signs and wonders. Like every time I sometimes when I go to sleep, I hear signs, wonders, like that. It's kind of creepy, <laughs> but it's just so weird. weird. Last night you can hear that. meditate on the Bible so much. I done did that. Like we was reading about Jesus and had a dream. I was like really in, in the setting. Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was really cool though. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, I went to to heaven. And I was like, I want to go back, but you know, I've never prayed the same way that I prayed. Cause my my prayer after that changed. I became lazy. Whoosh. But last year was the best year of my life. It was a year of surrender because we were so desperate for God. Okay, I'm done. I can go on about Jesus. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What's wrong? What's wrong? Who's wrong? Yeah, I'm scared to take my phone on airplane mode. Uh -oh. People love to call me Dan Bumster, but they don't call me at all. I'm here. So I'm here around. Yeah, you don't have to ask. Go ahead. You don't have to ask. You can just get up and go. That's so sick. <laughs> I have some highlights for number two here. Number two? Okay, so, um, chapter two is, okay, we're going to talk about Pentecost and just the Holy Spirit. Um, so what is Pentecost? So Pentecost was like a festival. Um, I think people say it's like 50 days after Easter. And if you look back in like the Old Testament, like Exodus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, it explains to you uh, what they used to do during like the feast of like the unleavished bread and all those things. Mm -hmm. um, and the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is in John fourteen twenty six. The Holy Spirit, um, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you everything I have said to you. Um, so he's like an advocate that goes before us. Um, and then in Romans 8, 4 through 5, in order that the righteous requirement of law might be fully met in us who do not live like according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Um, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God, God's Lord, nor, it, nor can it do it. So those who are in the realms of the flesh cannot please God. So 
in this one it just explains about the image of God. So walking in the image of God. Okay, so um, Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they all gathered in one place. Suddenly a sound like the the blowing of the of a violent violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole place where they were sitting. This they saw that they saw what was happening to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So in this passage one through four, it's the day of uh, Pentecost. It was significant because it was the day that Jesus talked to in um, the previous chapter, Acts one. Um, it was a day that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and Mar the women and men and Mary, while they were gathered in the um, in the upper room. Acts one fourteen, it explains to you like what they were doing, which was praying and supplicating um so one thing that's very interesting was ever wonder why God chose tongues because in James um three mm -hmm. um I don't know if someone wants to read that James three James, <laughs> James three all the way to eleven I mean twelve James three what James James 3. Oh, James chapter 3, 1 through 12. Yeah. Oh, 1 through 12. <laughs> uh, okay. Taming the tongues. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Uh, when we put bits into the mouths of horses, <clears throat> horses, to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although um, they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the, tongues in a, the, the tongue in a, is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is the tongue also is a fire, uh, the, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we can. With a tongue, we praise our, our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in the likeness, in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the, the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Amen. So, in this, I think um, the tongue, because we know that the tongue has been, it's one of the smallest things on our body, mm -hmm. but it's 
one of the most um, vicious things too. <laughs> so, but I think with this, um, for God to choose tongues, it was a way to show His glory through us. Um, I guess when the, they were praying, we, we might not have understand, uh, like, I guess some people, you know, they might not have understood, okay, what are these people speaking this language? But it showed like the power of God and um, through anything that God is able um, and it showed that his power and his glory. That's such a good point. Because, mm-hmm. you know, his whole talk on um, in James talking about uh, taming the tongue <coughs> and a horse, uh, the bit is put it into his mouth and it can control the entire animal and then God... Uh, and he's saying like anyone who can control their tongue is perfect mm-hmm. so it's like it feels like when the Holy Spirit takes control of our tongue mm-hmm. he's taking control of our entire body mm-hmm. and helping us say perfect you know things mm-hmm. so, so can you, you also say that the tongue uh, not, even, not the phys- there's the physical tongue yes but what about your thoughts as well mm-hmm. is that the is that synonymous is that the same so like you know we all think against mm-hmm. our neighbors and whatnot and oh no i think it's really about what come out yeah the voice the, the voice sounds so i would um i don't know to that one i feel like these sounds because we make sounds use uh, you know in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word so god was like let us so he was using his tongue to project the sound mm-hmm. so yeah so yeah, the tongue does, you know, bring everything to reality. You know, when you speak. So. I, you know, I can see, you know, his point of saying, like, this is out of the mouth, uh, out of the heart for the issues of life. So, your mouth, uh, basically just sells you out and reveals to everyone, like, what is going on in yeah. your heart and in your mindset and whatnot. Yeah. And if you're lying, your tongue will still sell you out because <clears throat> it's going to be saying something and when the truth comes out, it's going to show the world that, you know, either you don't even believe what you're saying mm-hmm. or you are trying to be deceptive, you mm-hmm. know, so that the cursing and the evil and what, like, your tongue just, it just reveals what what, you, what you're thinking mm-hmm. okay. that's powerful so, I, and I think you can refer that to the coming up chapters mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, with um, the, the, the other two mm. people who are lying about what they no. <laughs> who has those chapters? Yeah. I don't know what's that and that just made me think about how a person could say something mm-hmm. and how it could stick to your mind the way it does you can just keep me in my sand until you Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not deadly, the tongue is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in a native tongue? Parthians, 
Medes and Elamites, uh, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Thygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Mm -hmm. And um, from this verse, I think it's powerful. It's showing the power of God um, for you to be able to, like, for people to be able to speak in all different languages. I think a good example is when um, missionaries go to different countries. Some people don't even know the language, but when they're able to like pray and even just preach, they can they start preaching in that person's language, mm -hmm. and people are able to interpret like what they're saying. Um, thirteen. Um, somehow, ever made fun of them and say they had too much wine. I think it shows like the um, the when people don't understand the truth of the spiritual aspect of speaking in a tongue. It makes people, um, like, people look crazy. I guess, like, uh, followers look crazy. Mm -hmm. I think, um, yeah, it makes, like, followers look crazy. To someone who don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah they don't understand. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you just going along with the crowd, in your mind, you're going to think you sound crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But if you really feeling it. And you're not gonna feel like that. Yeah, because um, one of the biggest thing I think I remember one time we were praying and Seth was asking, mm -hmm. <laughs> was asking David, the way, I don't have anything to pray for. So I was like, why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to give you tongues? And he's like, no, uh, you know, I feel embarrassed about it. That's what he told me. And I thought to myself, I'm like, I get embarrassed too sometimes whenever, you know, I'm feeling like, mm. feel me. One moment. <laughs> But essentially, Seth. But Seth was. Uh, he came up to ask me. He's like, "Yeah, how do you pray, or what, what should I pray about?" And I gave him pointers and stuff like that. But then I thought that that was enough. But then he went to Liamba and he's like, "Yeah, Liamba, I still, I still don't know what to pray about." <laughs> yeah. because yeah, he didn't know what to pray about, and I told him it's like, you know, you can use tongues because. Um, you know, tongues are given because we don't have, we don't have the utterance that we need to speak. Like we don't know what to pray for, so the spirit of God prays for us. You know, using our mouth. So and then I thought about it to myself. I'm like, if this child is feeling embarrassed, sometimes I do feel embarrassed because I don't want to be judged by you know people who don't understand or like in the environment. So for me, like I've never fit, fed in, fighting. Well, how do you I never fit in anywhere. <laughs> Because um, even when I went to the most um, Pentecostal people, like for the other church, for me, the Holy Spirit allows me to go different, like literally extreme, right? So, and then to others, it's like, what is wrong with this person? So I think there's something wrong with me, but I'm like, I know how God works in me. So in that moment, I started being shy away. Like I started shying away for a long time. Even when I was younger, like I stopped just going to church because I felt like I was weird, you know, because of that. 
So, and that's the thing. So, how many of you can say that you get embarrassed for tongue speakers? I know Rachel used to have a hard time too. So, that's a, another thing she's like, uh, <laughs> you know, speaking in tongues. And to me, I was like, if he felt that way, I feel the same way. Because even at church, you know, I'm just like, okay, these people are not super Pentecostal. Like my other church, at least the other one, at least you have a limit. But I'm like, how can you, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to just work in us without limitations? You know, and that's the thing, like without boundaries. I think that's the reason why I like being at home because I can do anything. I can be myself. And it's hard to be yourself with other people because you feel like you're being judged. Um, so I'm going to do 14 to 39. Yeah, and then we'll like, discuss. Okay, I'll split. I'll read some and I'll let the other person read. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirits on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even, sorry, what, what person was I? 18. Well, how far she No, I think I was gonna stop. Oh. Yeah, it's just that I got. Okay, I'll go. Uh, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and will, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited, accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man... Huh? Sorry, but <laughs> This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you... With the help of the wicked of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Uh, you may, you have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow mm -hmm. Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here in, uh, to this day. That he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on uh, his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we all 
are, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucify, both Lord and Messiah. When when the people heard this, they were they were cut to the heart, and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you, will, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God, the Lord our God, will call. With many other, with many other words, he warned them, and placed and pleaded with with them, and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt from this corrupt generation, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to to the apostles' teaching, to the apostles' teachings, teaching and to fellowship. To the to the bread to the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had. Had needed, had need. Every day they continued to meet there, and continued to meet together in the, the temple, in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people, of all the people, and the and the Lord added. Added to the added to their number daily those daily those who were being saved. Mm-hmm. 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 So, well, this part I'll explain it in the best way I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, with this, um, Peter, I guess starting from fourteen, mm-hmm. we see um, 
uh, Peter being able to um, speak up of, of, up on exactly like what was going on because of course it was like nine o'clock in the morning so why would they be drinking um, and he was able to he was able to use examples about um, what was spoken back in the past um, and things that are going to be fulfilled uh, because Jesus was sent by God to come to this earth to die for our sins so that we could have everlasting life um, and because Jesus had died and rose again the Holy Spirit was also sent to guide us um, Peter used examples like of Joel Joel, Joel and um, David mm-hmm. um, and with Joel he talked of the uh, with Joel we're talking about the message of um of God, how God will pour up pour up the spirit um which will guide us um and we'll be able to do like wonders and things and then with David we it's it's a, um we see about how it's explained about um, how God will raise from the dead which will be the resurrection. Um and then through this Peter was able to tell like to tell us to repent so that we can all um, receive like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you guys have anything. Um, for me, on the part where um, David, I, uh, I believe David was um, bringing praise to God, saying that you know God would not abandon him in the realm of death because. The promised Messiah is coming to, you know, redeem him, redeem mm-hmm. his soul. So he had hope for the future that even if he died, he knew that God will redeem him. Uh, you know, when God, when Jesus, you know, gets the the keys of Hades, so he knew that he had hope that he wasn't gonna die just dying. He knew that he had hope to um, to be in heaven with Jesus. So that was. Um, really cool and then for Joel for me um, on that part it makes me get excited that when we go back to chapter 1 that nobody knows the hour and the day when Jesus is going to come because if you think about it Joel has been spoken you know before so and then I don't know how long that is from Joel all the way to you know Peter talking about it so that's very interesting and then also us were waiting for that signs and wonders and stuff like that so we wait on God. It tells you that decades to decades, nobody will ever understand. I think Ecclesiastes reminds us all the time when he talks about, um, you know, some come and then they make up all this wealth and some of you guys are going to be forgotten because, you know, time passes and everything passes. You know, the, the old generation forgot about the new generation. The new generation forgets about the old. Like, you know, it reminds you that everything repeats itself. Because we don't know who came. It's like nobody even remembers who came before that. So it tells you that nobody knows the hour or the day, no matter how many times people predict. But the coolest thing about, um, you know, Jesus is that you have to be ready for him. You have to be ready knowing that. Like, you know, you have to be ready to, um, like if you were, the question I was asked people, if you were to die today, you would know that you would be seated, you know, with Jesus you know, just like uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 talks about. So those are the things. I mean, we're spiritually seated in the heavenly places of God, mm-hmm. you know. 
um, because we're spirit beings, but like, you know, when we die, you know, because to be absent from the body is to be present with God. So those are things that, you know, I'm very hopeful for, Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah. I don't know, I think it's cool, because <clears throat> this is the beginnings of the church, and everything is just great, right? They're fellowshipping together, they're eating together, they're breaking bread together, and their fellowship is so great that even, they, it says they re- receive favor from everyone around them, and like, you know, I do, I guess we, we should be thanking God for those like little reprievals in between the um, persecutions. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you may be going through some spiritual warfare, and then all of a sudden it's quiet. Uh, and that's we're talking about this. Like sometimes God just wants us to rest mm-hmm. and um, just enjoy the moment, um, because yes, the battle is going to continue. There, there's always going to be opposition from the enemy, um, but when He does give you these moments of rest. Like you take them to heart and you enjoy them, um, because as we know in chapter three and four, that's when the Jewish leaders mm-hmm. come into play and they get um, jealous and um, they start putting people in jail. So it's like, <clears throat> you know, yeah, just these moments that we have peace and we can enjoy. Um, we could, we should enjoy. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that the gospel was ever told, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, I just find it funny that's a little preview to my chapter 4 that I'm been preaching on <laughs> it's uh so then yeah I highlighted it uh, chapter 4 verse 16 in Acts what are we going to do with these men they asked everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it mm-hmm. but to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people we must warn them to speak no longer so the fact that even they have this they say that and we cannot deny it mm-hmm. just it's, it's just hilarious that they even still tried to stop it and in, in, in you know in that time but mm-hmm. because people saw exactly what happened people saw jesus you know they he died on the cross and you know mm-hmm. all that stuff and they still wanted to tell them to stop preaching that and it's like what, what is going on <laughs> um so then uh, then they go on to say then they called him then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of jesus but peter and john replied which is right in god's eyes to listen to you or to him you be the judges as for us we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard mm-hmm. and i do hope and wish and pray that each one of us has that that same confidence to to you know no matter what other people say, no matter what, even even though we're in a generation where we still we haven't seen Jesus, you know, go through the gospel and whatnot, we still have people telling us about it, and I hope that we still have that confidence too. Even though we're told not to speak about it, we still speak about it. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. Yeah, you speak about it. Yeah. Yeah, the fire does get a little louder. It it gets a little louder because you know I was explaining to Rachel last time. I was like, when did I ever? Like when I started my YouTube, I was like so, you know, zealous about God and suddenly, I don't know what happened. I'm trying to figure out how did I get so attacked to the point where I just became so stagnant, mm-hmm. you know, because I had such a zeal that I was like, I'm just going to preach about the gospel, I'm going to tell people about Jesus. Then I was faced with opposition and I was like, this is actually hard. Like this is not what I bargained for, mm-hmm. you know. 
And part of the calling is like, we are going to get persecuted. It's not what you bargained for, but you, you know, you wanted cakes and rainbows. You wanted everything to be perfect and you wanted to see it that way. But in order for God to grow you, you have to be uncomfortable. And that's how God stretches your faith in the uncomfortable seasons where you're so uncomfortable that you have to push past the pressure. You have to push past the opinions because people are looking at you like, where did you come from? Who gave you that authority to preach? And that's the same thing that you know the disciples were going through. Where did you come from? Who gave you that authority to preach? So in that moment, you're just looking at yourself and like, I don't know either. Where did I come from? Like, I just had this zeal. And But the funny thing about it is like, God has called us to be disciples. Whether you, you know, whether it's a calling or whatever it is, God has called you to share the gospel of Christ. Everybody's a disciple for Christ. Like, that's just it. It's, you don't have to have a degree for it. You know, as long as you speak the truth of God and share the gospel, you are fine. You know, and that's the thing. Like, as long as you sign up for Christ, and it's going to be uncomfortable for everyone because everybody has, you know, a different calling. And it's been very uncomfortable. There's some things that sometimes I feel like I pocket them in myself, and I'm just like, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to hear the noise. But that's what it means to surrender. You surrender and you hear the noise and pass every noise. You're just going to fight through that. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I started preaching the gospel, I was so, you know, I wanted, I had a vision of everything that I wanted, but I didn't expect to get backlash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then that backlash causes you to ask yourself, what the heck is going on? Like, you know, and you start doubting and then the enemy starts coming to you. You know, did God really call you? Did you just make I'm like, what is this? You you hearing the enemy saying that because people don't understand you, so they are going to come with their own vision of how your life should be like. So they have an opinion of how you should move your life. But you don't know me up close, you don't know what I do in my prayer time, you don't know how I live my life. You might see me, you might know that I love Jesus, and that's the thing that they people see. Oh that girl that loves Jesus, you know, oh that that nice girl, and that's something that they know. So, and then I'm like, no, I have a purpose, and the purpose is to share the gospel. You know, I'm confused too. Like, what happened to that girl who was so, you know, zealous for God? And I'm, I'm trying to find that girl. That's the level that I'm on. I'm trying to find that girl. I'm trying to shut down everybody's opinions. That's my season that I'm going So, yeah. Um, you get anything else, guys? Well, like when you look at 43, all of to, well, like all the believers were together mm-hmm. and had everything in common. They sold prop- properties and possessions to give to anyone who had them. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Mm-hmm. Do we do that in this house? <laughs> <laughs> do we do that? And some of you guys it's so hard to even bring on the thing and I think that's what it is um, that's one of my biggest thing that to take away my because sometimes I'm like God I know that you say that we should have Bible study together I'm not understanding what your vision is in this thing because I for me I can discern hearts right so it's kind of like you discern people not wanting to be here people wanting to be here so that's kind of like a friction for me but then again God has to tell me that whoever wants to can come and whoever doesn't want to you can't force um, people to want to praise God. It's, 
it's your own personal relationship and that's what i've noticed so sometimes when i'm like oh we need to do this we need to do that it's just my zeal for loving god it's not the pressure of making somebody be like the way i am it's just the love that i see i'm like oh if i can do it you can do it you know that kind of thing so and one thing i've learned is you know at first i used to get offended and the Holy Spirit was, you know, dealing with my heart with that, that it's not about performance, but it's just about the relationship and allowing God to, you know, spark the fire, bring the communion and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes we get into the performance, you know, we want to hear people give us opinion, but sometimes, sometimes you can preach to, preach all the time, and then God is the one who reveals the secret. Just like, you know, um, Pastor Joby was like, it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us mm-hmm. everything, you know, he gave an example of those kids, like the whole time he was teaching them. <laughs> and then they didn't learn anything until somebody spoke something. So it's that thing. It might not be that moment for for uh, everybody else, but it's a moment where somebody else sparks something, you know. I think something you need to realize, Yamba, is that no matter, you, you, you say a lot of things, right? You talk all the time. And yeah. But <laughs> even if, even though you are, you know, even though you may feel like it's not reaching anyone, it always does. Mm-hmm. No matter, no, like I, don't, I feel like none of your, I wouldn't say none. Okay, none of your words don't just fall to the ground. Mm-hmm. They they are all heard. They are all taken into account. So that next time that we find ourselves in some situation, God can say, "Oh, you have been told this before," um, and you know, just take yeah, yeah. That's it. You've been told. Say you've been told. He just. Use their words and say it in your head. Well, I think for me the problem is um, I think you you're right about that, but it's each uh, to each according. I think it's the way it's received at the same time. Mm. In that, I think that's what it is. Because for me, I you know I discern a lot of things, and sometimes I feel like I'm crazy, and I'm just like, why am I feeling this way? Why is this going on? And then sometimes it's me because I you know the Holy Spirit shows me maybe it's my heart or somebody else's heart. So, and those are things that, that's basically what happens. So, I'm always trying to, like, you know, take away myself from that. Like, because some of us, for me, my love language is also, you know, uh, words of affirmation. So, for me, somebody to listen is kind of like, uh-huh, I agree with you. Like that. You know what I mean? Like, I agree with you. And it's part of our human nature. But it's also wanting the validation. I think that's what God is trying to take away from that. Like, it doesn't matter what somebody says. As long as you do what I'm to- you're told to do, and that's it. Like, if they don't listen, that's their own fault, you know, and that's it. I think that's what I'm learning, too, because I, I cry in the sense of, like, why don't they get it? Why doesn't somebody get it? Like, is it the way I'm teaching? How am I coming out? And, like, I think I was telling Rachel last time, explaining to her about, like, you know, I, might, I told her, I was like, I might come out to you strongly, but if you don't teach me how to love you, I will not know how to love you because you don't say anything. You're not teaching me how to love you. Love doesn't grow, like, um... Love doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. Say, for instance, if I, you know, if I'm trying to establish a relationship with Philip, I have to tell Philip exactly, this is how you treat me. This is how you, so you create boundaries so that person knows how to use those boundaries so you can feel whole and loved. And that's what I told Rachel. I'm like, you can't expect me to love you when you don't teach me the right way to love you. Like, you can't expect me to tell you something. And I tell her all the time, if I offend you, just come to me and say, I didn't appreciate the way you talked to me this way. I would love you if you did this way. You know, then I will understand that, okay, I'm messing up on this part. Because I'm going to show you the way I love somebody else, the way you love somebody. So everything is unison. But everybody's different. So and those are the things that I always say. Teach me how to love so I can love you back the way you want to be loved. Love is taught. 
you know only the love of God is sincerely moved but love is taught you love because people see how somebody is loved and that's what they project on somebody else but it might not mean the way they want to be loved mm -hmm. so those are the things that we always put in our head a lot of us don't know how to love right but if we teach somebody how to love you the way you want to be respected the way you want to do this you tell somebody okay I didn't appreciate this you know and that's when it's built and that's what I've noticed because I'm like how come we don't understand each other it's because nobody knows the language of that person so you teach each other what love that language is and you move forward and that's what I've learned because I, I used to wonder like why is it like I was like Ricky does not respond and I'm like I know what it is you need to teach me how you want me to love you because I'm trying to love you the wrong way the best that I know but you're not teaching me how you want me to love you so you have to tend me everybody gets tend in the way it's not controlling but you just tell me I appreciate it when you do that and the person can do because they love you so much if they sincerely love you they will listen to what you're saying and they will apply those things to you and that's how love is built love is created by the response or the action that we put in and the receiving aspect of that love from the person that we want to be loved to or from so either or and those are the things that I you know think about and those are the things I'm learning I, I was like wait a minute I'm, I'm always asking like why is this not working so you try to understand you know how things can change and it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us just like Philip was making fun of me yesterday I wanted to remember that sentence when I was like I wanted to just when I was trying to hit David I wanted <laughs> to hit him so hard like I was ready to hit him but something in me oh yeah, yeah something in me told me not to hit him <laughs> <laughs> okay for context I pushed her with my foot and then she was gonna hit my foot but she didn't yeah I was gonna hit like I was gonna hit him <laughs> like I was bent on evil like I was about to go like boop and then something was just like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> that was my reaction. But I had to think about what I was trying to do. Yeah. You know, I thought about the consequences. It was so funny. Like my head just went like, consequence. Yeah. If you do this, you're going to start fighting. Because <laughs> <laughs> David, David always fights back. I'm like, ah. <laughs> okay, we are going to worship. Um, just this song and just one song. And allow God to... Just work through.